Yeah, time the meeting started, we can put that down in the record as three minutes after five. There, all the councillors should have uh, an agenda in front of them. Are there any additions or deletions? There are none, Your Worship. So the agenda is the same as the one that was posted on Friday? That is correct, Your Worship. Um, uh, maybe I'll just get a, a motion to adopt the, the agenda as presented. Okay, uh, Ms. Downing, all in favor? In favor. Uh, we will go to the adoption of minutes. Uh, we have a set of minutes from November the 13th, 2018, the regular council meeting. Are there any corrections that need to be made there or clarifications, deletions, etc.? If not, I will uh, entertain a motion to accept it as presented. Mr. Needham, all in favor? In favor. That takes us to the minutes of the November 19th special council meeting. Um, that was uh, again in 2018. Uh, any corrections needed there? If not, uh, a motion to accept them as presented. Mr. Good, all in favor? In favor. Do we have any public hearings, Mr. Parker? We have uh, no public hearings, uh, Your Worship. Okay, great. Uh, that takes us to presentations. And uh, the Peace River welcomes refugees. I understand that they will uh, make a presentation. Derek Backer doesn't seem to be in the audience. So, <laughs> but I will, uh, I am more than happy to take a designated uh, stand-in. Maybe I could get each of you to, uh, for the podcast world out there, to mention your names and your positions. Yeah, so I'm Jonathan Marshall, um, and I believe I'm the spokesman, is the position that I was given. Okay. Are you related to Josh Marshall? No, I am okay. not. And I'm Dana Lombardi, and I sit on the committee as well, representing the Catholic Church. Okay, great. And I'm Brenda Brochu, and I sit on the committee, uh, I guess, representing the Anglican Church. We were involved with bringing refugees here a couple of years ago. Right. Very good. Uh, well, please, Jonathan, you have the floor. All right, thank you very much for your guys' time. Um, so what we're here to do is just to let you know what we are doing um, as the Peace River Welcomes Refugees Committee. Um, in early 2018, Brenda was approached by um, Michael Mahangle, who's a resident of Peace River for the last eight years. Um, he was a refugee 10 years ago from Eritrea, and he's been living here uh, for, in Canada for 10 years. He came to Brenda and then later on to the Peace River Ministerial um, requesting help because he has a brother who has, is married, has three little girls and a nephew who are UN-sanctioned refugees in Sudan. They are considering getting on a boat to cross the Mediterranean. He told them no, and came to us asking for help. If 
we can help be the sponsor for this family. So the ministerial got together and I'm representing the Alliance Church and they basically, uh, the Alliance Church is going to be the community sponsor um, for this and Michael is the sibling sponsor, I guess that is how it goes. Um, and so we are raising money and trying to help Michael in bringing his brother and their family to Peace River um, to be a part of our community. Um, so we've presented to the ministerial and they're all on board. So we have the support of most of the churches in town. And basically our goal in meeting you guys tonight was to move it beyond the faith community. We wanted um, this to be a Peace River initiative, not just a faith community that um, something that we can all, I think, in our hearts, realize what's happening and want to help in many different capacities. Um, that's kind of the basis of what we're doing. The overall goal is we need to raise 49,000 um, to bring this group, this family over. Um, we're allowed upwards of 25 dollars to $29,000 of in-kind donations. Um, and the biggest component of that is housing allowances. So um, Brenda, having helped with the previous Syrian refugees, I guess North Peace Housing was a huge component of that. And that could be upwards of 19,000 of that 50,000. So um, that's kind of where we're at. So our big ask for you guys is to support us. Um, not necessarily asking the town to step in and do anything, but just you guys to help us move it beyond the faith community and into a community-wide initiative. Okay, I just want to say a word of thanks for the contributions of the town in it. When two families from Syria were sponsored um, about two and a half years ago, um, through community services, we got free swimming passes for each family, we got free library cards and the contribution of North Peace Housing, as John was saying, was immeasurable. Immeasurable. Um, I think we ended up paying about $250 a month rent for each family until the heads of households got jobs, um, which enabled our dollars to stretch further and us to help them more than we had anticipated. And it wasn't extravagant help, but they really appreciated their ability to get started here at Peace River both of those families have moved on. One is in Lloydminster, the other in Edmonton. But they're very grateful for the start they got here because they were warmly welcomed and befriended and really got to know about Canada and our customs. And uh, so they, they're very appreciative of that. And uh, we, we hope that we can have a similar level of support with this family when they're able to come. Um, we don't have an expedited process right now. With the Syrians, the government of Canada had a process which um, really shortened the, um, the period um, between submitting the application and getting the refugees. And um, that, that was a two-year program that has now ended. So it will be a longer process to have the application um, processed. And we have to raise the money before we can even submit the application. Um, but we're very committed to it, and uh, we hope the whole community <coughs> joins with us in welcoming this family. I, okay. <laughs> well, 
So I just wanted to say one of the reasons both the families left was because uh, the, the amount of work that was put into helping them adapt to our, our society and to our culture, particularly uh, the ESL instruction from the Horizon Learning Center. Every one of them had a one-on-one, -on -one, at least one one-on-one -on -one tutor. Some of them had more than one tutor. And they really worked hard. And as a result, uh, one of them got a, a huge promotion with TELUS and got uh, a big promotion in Lloydminster and just couldn't turn it down. And the other one uh, took an accounting job in in Edmonton. So it was a, a you know, direct result of some of the great work that was done. And so um, when these refugees uh, come here, they will have a full support as far as English as a second language. The Horizon Learning Center, we have it all set up from the first from our experiences with the Syrian families. And so it will be uh, very easy just to move them right into uh, uh, English programming, for not only for the adults, but for the children as well. So I, I just wanted to add that. Uh, so donations, uh, who, do we, who would we make those out to? And uh, I'm assuming uh, people can get a tax receipt for that as well. Yeah, so because it's being done through the Alliance Church, that allows us to issue the tax receipts. So the donations are just made to the Peace River Alliance Church Refugee Fund. Okay. And then from there, it goes to the proper accounts. Um, because we technically have to have two applications, one for his brother and then one for his nephew, um, they're gonna be linked applications, but we have to have separate bank accounts and all that stuff that the Government of Canada requires. So all that's been set up, it's kind of, we're now, hitting the ground running with raising money. We have our first fundraiser is actually this Saturday at the Catholic Convention Center. So we're having music and a dinner and um, just pie auction. pie auction, I guess is the big the big draw that we're having. A chance to meet the brother and his family too, they will be there. Michael and his family. I just wanted, just wanted to add, one of the things that is really interesting with this, this different initiative is that Michael has been here and has been a Peace River right for eight years. His family is part of Peace River. And so the chances of this family staying, I think, would be a lot greater as well, I'm assuming, because this is their home. So Jonathan, you mentioned that we, we are the, the connection or the bridge between the holy and the secular, or how, how did you describe that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, well, basically, like I said, the, the goal is just to move it from beyond like the ministerial and into just everyone in the community getting behind, you know, what doing something right. This is the right thing to do for this family who's, you know, we don't want them on a rubber dinghy crossing the Mediterranean. Right. So that's basically, that has kind of been the driving force of we don't, we're not letting that happen. Yeah, but you're going to give them swimming lessons when they get here, though, yeah. I understand. <laughs> 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 okay. Okay. Any questions? Just one question, because I lack my lack of understanding. You talked about the big UN-sanctioned refugee. What does that exactly mean? What, what, what's the difference between that and anything else? So what happened is both... Um, Tesfaye is the gentleman's name, and his kids, and then their nephew Jonas, have escaped Eritrea. So Eritrea has forced military service for all males, indefinite military service. 
So they have escaped to Sudan. So they are in Sudan living as they have no rights. They are just there. They can't work legally. They can't do anything like that. So they're actually working in the underground market, just right, trying to make any money to put their little girls through school. Um, so the UN, because they fled Eritrea, they have all the papers. The UN has, yes, you are a refugee. You are who you say you are. So then that all gets submitted, and then CSIS does all their checks on this end, and then the Canadian government. The Canadian government recognizes the UN fact that they've been stamped. Yes. Great answer. Thank you. Anything further? Well, I actually, uh, I actually read about this because Derek posted it on social media. <coughs> So, um, yeah, I heard about it this about a week ago, but yeah, a great initiative and uh, keep up the good work you're doing. So, are you guys in contact with North Peace Housing um, again? We will be. I, we're, you know, right now we're looking at about a 20 month wait for the application to be a, a process after we submit it, and we have to raise the money first. <coughs> we could make overtures, but we won't need the house. Oh, okay. That's okay. I wasn't. The timeline makes. Yeah. Or you might not need the housing for three years. Well, it it's till they get here. It's a few months to make right. forty nine thousand dollars. We have to raise the airfare too, and then uh, sorry. Oh, so is the airfare not included in the forty nine? The airfare is. The Canadian doesn't cover that. Does it now? Oh, okay. All right. That's good. That changes. Um, changes some things. Yeah, but we have to raise the money before we can submit the application. And right now, the waiting period to have an application processed by the Canadian government is 20 months. But would not, because how much of the 49,000 can be in kind? Up, up to about almost 30 is kind of in that range. So would not a, a another, say, another commitment from North Peace Housing get that going yes. faster? Yes. Okay. Because North Peace Housing has a house across from for me, that's close to the Alliance Church. So, the only problem with that housing is you have to be transportation rich to. And a couple of the neighbors commit. are a little dodgy. I've yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, be nice now. <laughs> yeah, actually, Michael, um, who's living here, he lives just along that street too. Okay. So, yeah. He's already on that oh. side. Good. Good. Anything else? Well, I, no, just a, a, a small add-on. Great initiative. I, I can. I, I know that the town of Peace River has got a long history of sponsoring uh, families. I, I uh, the, uh, I, I heard the tongue-in-cheek story about the rafts and the Red Sea, or was it the Sudan area? But, uh, but we had the so-called Vietnamese boat people of Peace River a number of years ago, and I think well, maybe people sitting around the table were involved. And so yes, the community certainly. Been part of that initiative, so uh, good, good to uh, good to see that you picked up on this, and uh, best of luck. Mr. Mayor, I have a question. Okay, go ahead, Deputy Mayor. Um, so, besides the nephew, how many are in the other family? So there is the the husband and the wife, and then there's three little girls. So I believe the last we checked or understood was there six, nine, and eleven year old girls. Okay, so thank you. Five altogether. Five altogether plus the nephew would make six. Okay. Thanks. 
Great. Great, thank you very much. Thank Best you. of luck. And if you come by next week, I'll have my checkbook. <laughs> okay, uh, bylaws. <clears throat> there are none, or at least none on, on deck. So. so that takes us to unfinished business, and there's a request for decision on bylaw 2040, the taxi bylaw. It's gone through two readings. Uh, this will be the... Uh, the third reading um, is is there somebody available for questions that may may have occurred to people that's you yes your worship and council um, in the interim between the passage of first and second reading and third reading we did make an amendment we consulted the municipal government act to ensure that this was possible and if council wishes to accept the amendments as resolutions, then they need to be passed separately and then council can proceed to third reading. The amendments essentially reflect um, an additional standard that allows us to attach a penalty to a taxi business owner who permits an unpermitted driver to drive for them. So there is a small amendment in the body of the bylaw and an additional amendment in the uh, penalty section up to and including the loss of the business license. So what is the uh, administrative format we have to take to get the resolution? Um, essentially council would just uh, pass a motion to accept amendments one and two uh, to the bylaw and then council could proceed to third reading if they so desired. Okay, any questions? Ms. Your Worship, I see that uh, Councilor Cord has provided us with an email today that maybe can you speak to before us, we can before there's a forum on that. Yes, I was just kind of waiting my turn, but uh, um, yes, I did do some homework on uh, on the taxi cab bylaw in regards to the, uh, the certified criminal records check. Um, so I did uh, um, speak to the manager of enforcement services with the city of Grand Prairie and uh, told him about our bylaw and uh, asked him um, to do a brief email of, of how the, the city of Grand Prairie um, processes uh, applications. So the one thing that uh, Sean, who's the writer um, of this email, told me is there's, a, there's kind of a two process part. One is a renewal which is more fast-tracked. And the second one is a, a new applicant. So if you're a new applicant um, for a tax, to drive a taxi and you've never operated a taxi before, you must pass the CPEC and vulnerable sector check and you are not approved to drive until such time as your certified uh, criminal records check or your fingerprints are, are returned which according to the email it, it can there again it can take a little bit of time but uh, city of grand prairie is also registered uh, or pardon me the rcmp that are registered and they get the uh, the results back fairly quickly because it's all electronic uh, once again i'm gonna i'm gonna definitely plead my case um, i did talk to the rcmp and a number of uh, and a number of uh, 
enforcement people um, by having the 180 day temporary application you can potentially have uh, a, a charged or a, a sexual offender or somebody of a behavior that has that has been convicted being convicted of a, of a certain crime operate a cab within the town of Peace River because all they have to do is change their name and they might pass that certified uh, that other uh, not certified check but the vulnerable sector check because it's based on name and date of birth and uh, without those fingerprints that's the the telltale of all well there's but the bylaw doesn't preclude these uh, these fingerprints from being checked all it says is we are fast-tracking an application and if and uh, based on the pre-screen, which is, which is what most, most communities do, we're going to grant you a temporary permit. And, uh, and, and if we find out when the fingerprints finally come in, you, uh, and you made a false statement, not only are, so is it not only that individual, but also the taxi company? Me that this is a thousand dollar fine. It is set up so that it's strictly the individual. It would not be the if the applicant lied to the taxi company and we issued them with a valid temporary permit. It wouldn't be uh, on the onus of the taxi business. They would have done their due diligence by the bylaw. Yeah. And and you know I, I and I actually have to say say this or we pay the RCMP two million dollars a year. If they can't goddamn turn around an application in less than seven days, well, there's a problem there, and you should go bring it up in front of the RCMP Advisory Committee. Look, I don't understand why our bylaw is the issue if it's the RCMP bureaucratic process. You should be telling, you should be, if that's your issue, you should be talking to the RCMP Advisory Committee and and, and getting them to get off their ass and start doing some work. Like, one of the biggest issues for any manager in a, in whether it be in a, a pump mill, a refinery, or even for the town of Peace River is vacancies. And you, you need to run a business. And the most stressful thing for a manager is vacancies and and getting people to fill those vacancies in a prompt manner like those taxi this is not this is not directed towards the 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 company no i mean the individual this is to help help the businesses in peace river the taxi cab businesses in peace river keep their keep their uh, their capital assets on the road and, and start making some money. And we, I think there's enough, there's enough checks and balances in the system to allow them to do that, but if you don't think that the check, that you, we need to have the fingerprints done, I really suggest that you need to talk to the RCMP Advisory Committee and get the, and remind them that we pay them $2 million a year for their services and one of the services we expect is quick turnaround on the uh, fingerprints. And I, I don't understand why we're we're the we're 
we, we may be the bad guys. Well, that's one thing that I can check on with the RCMP to see if the RCMP here in Peace River are registered um, as far as getting the, the fingerprints back from Ottawa via um, electronic would definitely speed the process way up. Well, I understand Orrin's concern, but I know also, Tom, I understand here. One of the comments that really stood out in the letter we got today from Grand Prairie was <clears throat> where he says here, um, we are currently enjoined today in Grand Prairie faster processing of submissions for applicants with no affiliation with the sex offender registry other than sharing a gender and date of birth with a registered sex offender. This has increased our city's capacity to process new applicants, completely vetting them in a matter of days, not months, not a month or more. And I think that's a key line in what this gentleman is saying. It's possible to have it done in a couple of days. To my mind, if it's possible to have it done in a few days, to me that minimizes the risk. I don't see a person getting a taxi and going out and committing the offense in a week. 180 days, I sort of see what Orange is talking about. So if I, Tom, I kind of agree with you. <coughs> um, the process has to be speeded up to make it sensible. I, 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 I see your point exactly. Well, if the RCMP think this is a yeah. weakness, they should be plugging the gap. Yeah. Like I say, just in my opinion, I, I do think the risk is there. It, it's it's happened in, in our community once already where we had uh, somebody charged and convicted, they fled, and they came back and got a license again and recommit and recommitted. Uh, okay. So, when 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 was that? That wasn't when the new bylaw was in place. I don't have the exact timeline on that on the uh, on that, but my understanding and if I remember from what uh, Graham had mentioned earlier is back in the day we did have the uh, the fingerprints in a bylaw if I'm correct well but you don't know when this happened so I it's kind of prior, like prior half. to 2014 I know that much how much prior to 2014 and then and we had a new bylaw that came in uh, yes we redid the bylaw in 2014 and then speaking with uh, uh, Ms. McQuaig today, uh, my understanding when that bylaw, when the bylaw was passed in 2014, it was vulnerable sector check and my understanding at that time was the vulnerable, vulnerable sector check at that time included prints. And if you could speak to that. So it's a um, When I was an employee of the school division in the 2008-2009 and a community volunteer, um, I had to do police checks and at that time the vulnerable sector check to my recollection was the same as it is today which was seven days done concurrently name and date of birth with the RCMP. Um, I note in this email that they don't do the fingerprinting um, unless the person gets a hit on the vulnerable <coughs> sector is my understanding and our bylaw provides for that also. Uh, our bylaw is essentially the same. No, I spoke. I spoke to the individual, and it, he, it's it's right there in black and white. They do not process a new applicant until the fingerprints come back, and that's exactly what the gentleman told me on the phone. 
That, that's actually not what his email says, Orrin. The, the paragraph says that although, although our bylaw does not specifically state that a certified criminal record check fingerprinting must be completed, it is encompassed in the fact that a standard criminal record check with a vector form of sector check is not considered complete until the fingerprinting process has been completed for the applicant, uh, for the applicant flagged as a vulnerable sector hit. So it, it is a requirement if you have a vulnerable sector hit from what I'm reading here. And, and when I read our bylaw, um, our bylaw is not saying that this isn't, isn't part of our application process. All it is is giving that window of opportunity if nothing comes back on the first two for somebody to go to work while they wait for the paperwork. It's not, it's not excluding them. That, that requirement, I, am I wrong, Ruth? Is that what I'm reading? Is that that's still a requirement of our bylaw? It's just allowing the time frame for the paperwork to be complete. Yes, yes it is. I mean, they can, they can go to work. They're still getting their fingerprints. Um, it's just, so they're, we're going to get those results one way or the other. And when we get that initial check back, we do not have to issue them. So in the event that we do get some kind of partial match or a vulnerable sector hit, then we can decline to issue the temporary permit. There is not a requirement that they get that permit and obviously sound judgment would indicate that we not do so, that we wait until the final determination to find out whether we have the right person and the right conviction. So, am I on? Yes, you are. So I'm not quite understanding this because I'm looking at page seven of seven of the um, bylaw, which is, it, it's, part of, it's part, well, it's after part three of the, when they are checking off that they're good people and all that stuff. It says, applicants must provide the following information at the time of applying. So, current criminal record, uh, class one, etc. Then applicants must provide the following information within 180 days of the application. And so, we are requiring fingerprints? Yes, that's correct. Okay. So, and in, in my understanding that Grand Prairie has managed to get these fingerprints within, is it a week? They don't, it sounds like they don't actually request the fingerprints unless there's a hit on the vulnerable sector check. Yeah. So I guess what I'm questioning is, we're saying that it could take up 180 days for the fingerprint thing, and if we require the fingerprint, we're saying 180 days, whereas Grand Prairie is saying, well, if we need the fingerprint thing, we could get that done in a week or so. Well, that's what they're saying, yeah. Mm -hmm. but, that, but there's not, it doesn't say that they actually will. And that, that was my point to Aaron Ford, is if the issue is the RCMP, go talk to the RCMP. It's, we pay them $2 million. Yeah, well, I, I fully understand that part. Um, and they need to speed up the process. So I guess my question is, how did Grand Prairie get the process speeded up? Because they, they pay a little more than $2 million, but they're still kind of the same as us. I think the process needs to be speeded up, and that would satisfy probably all of us. Yeah, well. Your Worship, I also think that there is... Elaine, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Were you done? Um, yes, I was. So I also think that it's important for us to remember that 
the 180 days is just a window that we've put in place right. for for the employer, right? It is really because it's complicated to have such a long period of time um, where you have an employee that you can't get driving for you. We've still required the the original criminal record check that can be done through our our local detachment, the vulnerable check through Child and Family Services, as well as the fingerprint check. And if all things align, that fingerprint check can come back, as my understanding is within 21 days, right? And all we did was give it more time so that 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 if that was delayed, it just allowed that that process to take place. Right, because our, the, the writer of the bylaws said that when she made the inquiries of the RCMP, they said that could take up to 180 days to turn it around. And if the problem is RCMP service, that's the problem, not uh, um, Perhaps if, let's say, a company did get a check on somebody and it came back as a hit on vulnerable sector and it was time sensitive and they knew it was not it was a name date of birth conflict and they needed something that quick maybe they could go to Grand Prairie and get it done and you know drive there and come back <laughs> whatever if it was that much of an emergency um, but the other I mean I've, I've been teaching for 14 years now and no one's fingerprinted me um, can I make a motion that we move the two amendments to the bylaw and just yeah. kind of get that process yeah. done because that has to happen before anything yeah. gets voted on for third reading anyway? So uh, your motion is to accept the two amendments, number one and number two, um, for incorporation into the bylaw. Exactly. All in favor? In favor. Okay. Recorded vote, please, on the uh, third reading. Any, uh, anything more on the, uh, anything more for debate? Okay, so we're gonna make a motion on, uh, on the, for third reading for bylaw 2040. Okay, and Mr. Warren, uh, Mr. Ford has called for a recorded vote. So all in favor? In favor. And against? New business uh, request for decision on light up the park. I thought that was over. It is. So, do we need to spend any time on it? Moments. Your Worship, this is just an enabling motion for any member of council, but specifically Councillor uh, Scammerhorn to enable them their attendance. He spoke on behalf of council at that meeting, so it's just an enabling motion. And if anyone else was there, and we didn't see you. Councillor Needham. <laughs> you don't care. <laughs> oh, Councillor Needham. Okay, so an enabling motion for all and any uh, councillors. Sure, I'll make that motion, Your Worship. All in favor? Thank you. In favor. Um, a request for a decision on attendance and intermunicipal dinner meetings. So I understand there's one tomorrow. That is correct, Your Worship. There's also a freezing rain <coughs> advisory for tomorrow afternoon. Is it tomorrow afternoon? I knew it was today, but uh, did it change? Well, there's someone call up the Weather Network. 
I think they said uh, Tuesday afternoon. Uh, periods of freezing rain changing tomorrow afternoon is periods of freezing rain changing to snow overnight, snowfall amount of two centimeters. So you're going to get snow on top of freezing rain whilst driving to and from Manning. Uh, provided it actually happens. Um, but can we... Uh, we can change that. We, sh we, we should, should change that. Yeah, we'll change that one. Yeah. I don't want to lose any of my dear fellow counselors. It's okay, I can't go. <laughs> so I'll be here. I'll hold it down. Or moose fellow counselors. I will. I'll send her off anyway. Uh, well, it's good to know that we won't lose you whatever happens. <laughs> Mr. Ford. Yeah, so being that you're uh, rescheduling that meeting, just to remind council that the fire department does have a graduation ceremony tomorrow evening, and I do believe that starts at 7 p.m. And that's here in town. Which building is it? Okay. So, okay, so it isn't just that intermunicipal meeting, though, you wanted to talk about it. Or was that three. the one? No, there's three of them total. So, Let's try and move the one for tomorrow. Yes, sir. I'm going to email it right now. And Did you want an enable to pass the enabling motion? Or? Uh, enabling motion for what? The fire? For the dinner meetings. I'll move the enabling motion to allow counselors to attend the dinner meetings with oh. their neighbors. Okay. And did we also make an enabling motion for the fire? Uh, Fire training? Did we, 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 we did that in a previous meeting. Yeah. yeah, that's what I. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. All in favor? In favor. Um, extension of fire services agreement with the County of Northern Lights. Uh, are you up for that, Mr. Town? I am your worship uh, before council is just a, a quick report uh, looking for approval to have administration extend the existing fire service agreement we have with the county of northern lights for another year um, this is um, to get us through the 2018 year um, with the ultimate and hopeful resolution that a comprehensive longer term fire service agreement will um, play itself out during our, our intermunicipal collaborative framework discussions. So again, this is just a, um, it's not a stopgap, but it's just a continuation of the existing uh, to allow us to get through the ICF process. Uh, again, all the conditions are similar, similar funding, uh, similar level of service provided back to County Northern Lights, which is a advantageous um, uh, endeavor to, to both parties right now. Okay, motion to that effect, please. Okay, motion to extend the, the agreement. All in favor? In favor. Passed. Uh, VB, VBV, property management, Cool Springs Trailer Park, water billing. So I'll speak to this one first. Um, I'll ask Dr. McQuaid to jump in if I misstate any anything. Um, we've had a request from VBV Property Management to um, they manage the Cool Springs Trailer Park. That's the one right below uh, the Peace, on the way to Peace High School. Um, and they had a billing 
don't want to say issue, but um, they, they had a bill back in the spring for this year um, of about $1,900 for a one-month period. The way that the billing works with uh, trailer parks is we build individual um, properties or units individually, and then any difference between the master meter that goes into the property against all the individual meters is billed to the, the um, owner or the management company that oversees the, the property. In this case, there was a, a uh, large bill. Um, they included all the, the bills um, for the periods that are, that are kind of in dispute. Um, and in the April 15th bill, uh, it shows that the park so again, that's the total of all the water that goes through the main meter, less all the individual uh, uh, trailer park or trailer homes, um, mobile homes, it was 391 cubic meters, which is a very high amount. Um, we don't dispute that, it's a high amount. Um, and then future billings go down to what I would call more typical type amounts. The month after that is 128 cubic meters, which is still high for what they normally do. Um, and then down to 45 cubic meters. And then the July and August bills had zero consumption, which basically means that all the, every single drop that went through their master meter was eventually billed to the individual units. Is that also typical? Sorry to interrupt. I, I would say that's also unusual. Um, Director McQuaid may have something, but it's probably common um, with any type of water utility to experience line losses, whether it's a small um, distribution utility in this case, and when I say utility, I mean the trailer park in question. Um, you know, there's, there's gonna be line losses. Um, another reason why it could be zero is we might be doing estimates in any one month. Um, estimating some water account it's a fairly common uh, thing, like if we go to a property, we don't read these, it's all done electronically. Um, if there's a communication error with any one meter, it might be estimated in one month, but over the long term, it tends to work itself out because if we estimate one month and then we bill on the next month, you know, then it, it balances itself out and we're back to what the proper reading should be. So estimation may have an influence there, but, but there's typically line losses in any type of water underground infrastructure. Um, so, from a staff perspective, we uh, met with the management company, uh, discussed how this could come about. Again, distribution on their property is not our responsibility. We are the, the metering company and the, the, you know, the, the wholesale or the wholesalers, basically. They, they provide the infrastructure, we utilize it and get the water to their, um, their residents in the area. Um, but there's no, there's no known or, or reasonable amount for, for that spike that I, I think we could really identify or for them. You know, just like, you know, we could conversely say, well, there's no reason why they would have zero um, consumption in the months of July and August. So the estimating might be a little bit in play. Um, and I don't have the, the information for the months preceding um, July and August. Um, but from a staff perspective, since we're under the belief that the 
meter that goes into the park is functioning properly. Um, and based on our, our knowledge, the meters within the park are generally um, all of them functioning properly. Then the difference is the responsibility of the property owner. Uh, we did that at the staff level and had that discussion. And they are coming and asking council for relief on what they believe is a discrepancy of, of unknown origin. Yep. I, I noticed on the bill that they provided it says uh, continuously detected 35 plus days. Um, is that like if it's been leaking for over 35 days, I would be curious to see the, the month before the first month that was provided to see if that leak started during that month because maybe that's, is, is it potential that that's the issue or am I taking a way too simple view of this? Which bill was that? Was that the very first bill they provided, the billing date of April 15th, 2018. Um, the one that's yep. That's very likely a contributing factor. Someone, but but it's difficult to say, right? Because if it was a continuous, so continuous leak basically means continuous running water. If it's a toilet or a sink in someone's house, um, the meter reads that water flows through at a, a certain rate um, every hour during the day for a 24-hour period, um, and then it, it notifies that we actually get these this information before it goes onto the billing. And we notify property owners as soon as we can. Um, in this case, if it was a, a trailer that um, had the continuous leak, then they'd be the ones that'd be responsible. Um, however, here, where it does say continuous leak detected, um, makes one think it's somewhere on their line between the main meter and any one of the individual meters. We don't know what they do on that property. So if there was a leak and it was corrected, we don't know that. I'm not saying that's what they did, or I'm not saying they corrected it and didn't tell us, but, but we, we really don't know. Well, the following bills do not have that reminder, so something got corrected. So, something changed. Yes. So, Mr. Mayor, I have a couple questions. Sure. Okay, I'm looking at uh, the consumption report, sort of the spreadsheet. So, on some of these, it says zero is the actual reading. Um, so if it says zero is the actual reading, both the landlord and the town would believe that? Deputy Mayor, are you looking at the last few pages? Looking at um, the part before the actual agreement part. So it says Cool Springs Consumption Report. It's a spreadsheet. So on that, for instance, lot five has zero is the actual, the meter was missing. Um, then further down, there's a zero actual on lot 13, now reading zero was just replaced. Like stuff like that, is that supposedly the landlord's uh, issue? Well, repeat the landlord's issue if uh, 
the meter was taken out of service and like if they had removed a trailer and then moved a trailer back in and didn't inform us to reinstall a new meter and they just okay. had the, that line to be hooked directly into the trailer and so we would not have any the ability to uh, meter that water usage and you know there's been a couple of times where that was found to be the case where there was no meter in place and the trailer was just hooked up okay and i guess my other question um have there been occasions um between when an estimated uh, reading goes out and when the estimate is actually taken off the the next bill i can't quite remember the details of a story i heard a couple years ago well a year ago there was something about an estimate being handwritten on the bill and um, the actual not being there or stuff like that. So we're pretty accurate with our billing and estimations. I guess that's what I'm saying, I'm hoping. So we're going to be accurate over a period of time. Okay. If we have to estimate yeah. for whatever reason over one month or two months, when we do the actual billing, that will capture the actual meter change yeah. over a three month period. And you know what people pay over that time they may pay a little bit a little bit and then a, a larger amount yeah or conversely a large amount large amount and then a little bit but as soon as we get an actual reader meter reading where it's accurate yeah so on this chart there's not too many um estimates actually most of them are actual so we would have to believe the actual is truly actual and even if it says zero I was just looking at a couple of the uh, a couple of the bills, and uh, um, every now and then there's an adjustment on a bill. What is that about? It's not on every bill. And typically, the adjustment would be uh, the differential between the estimate and the actual. So if you had That's two estimates, and we're going to estimate conservatively on those bills. And so when we actually go to do the actual, uh, usually it's that adjustment. That adjustment would be between what the actual and estimated portion was. That's what T I thought it was. And, and typically, and the customer pays a little more in the actual month because we're being fairly conservative in the estimate. We're not overestimating the amount usually. And just uh, uh, my last comment, and it's to do with uh, Councillor Scanlon's comment concerns about uh, the or the property owner's infrastructure leaking. Uh, so, for, just as an example, at my place, I have a, a line that comes out from the inside of my house that feeds my underground irrigation system, which is always pressured up during the summer. And I had, I did have a glue joint on my line burst. My lawn loved me that day because that uh, thing free flowed for about 15 hours on a three-quarter inch line and I still had to pay that bill because that's my own fault. So just, if I may, we just, we just back up here. So we've got a trailer court, we've got a master meter that services this, this court, is that right? Okay, and so there's potentially 47 water meters in this trailing court if I look at that is that 
And so at the end of the month, the math from one to the other is supposed to add up, and it obviously doesn't. Um, and it seems strange. I, I guess I guess when I look at this Excel spreadsheet, I look at, at lot number 14. And uh, if I was using 102 cubic meters of water, that's in my house, that's that's six months water consumption in my house with two people. So if I look at all those numbers on, on there, I, I guess my point to the property management company is, did they, did they go to Law 14 and look at any of these things, or, or do we know? Um, well, I'm not sure, but again, these are the amounts that were actually billed to the individual um, property owners within the, within the, uh, the trailer park. So I'm assuming Lot 14 had, has paid their 102 cubic meters that they use that month. You know, because these are the ones that we're showing at the individual right. meters, not the master meter. Five bucks. I, I'm surprised we didn't get a long letter from him. Well, that, that's that's a could, incredible amount of water. Could be swimming pool slip and slide action. Well, that, I guess that begs the other question: Did someone mix up the water park bill with the? With the trailer park bill. <laughs> you don't have to defend yourself. You're a cycler, and that's the road. Well, the bottom line, we, the fact that we put meters on 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 the guy on the trailers that are in their property is we're actually providing them a service because really we should just be billing the property management company what goes through that main meter and uh, and then and, and and it's really their responsibility to make sure that water gets doesn't leak and which was basically your point is you're not responsible for their distribution system and uh, yeah, they're the ones that need to reconcile the differences, not us. Um, ultimately, at the end of the day, and that's what their agreement says, the agreement, the existing agreement that they have with us clearly identifies that they're responsible for for um, any overages between the master meter and all the individual ones. Um, and again, and just to be clear, um, the um, trailer park did purchase the meters back when they upgraded them, I want to say four years ago, but give or take, um, plus or minus a year. Okay. Um, so they did have a, an outlay. Um, and again, one of the services that we provide and are able to is uh, the metering and electronic metering and billing, which is what we do for uh, the rest of the trailer parks, um, including our co-ops such as Shaftesbury Water Co-op and whatnot. Uh, similar type, um, identical type endeavor where now this would be like the county of Northern Lights coming back to us because the, the main meter going out to Dixonville has a thousand cubes, but each of the individual houses in Dixonville only use five cubes each. So and there's a big difference there. Well, we still delivered the water to you. One question I have, Greg, is when you talked about the master meter, with the comment was we have no reason to believe there's any issues with the master meter. How is that checked, or or how do we how do you verify the performance of the master meter? 
So the, if the the master meter is called into question by the, the property owner, like any other meter, if the question of what we can do is pull the meter, have it sent away for calibration. If the meter is within calibration, we charge the resident. If the meter is out of calibration, that is paid for by the town, and then we would go and probably look at correcting the bill based on as reasonable estimates, uh, based on that, halfway out of that. So there's no reason to uh, call the question that the master meter is out at this point. Okay. That's if the property owner requests it. Right, so they could request it. Yes. There'd probably be a fee because you'd probably want to swap out that master meter with another one for the interim period and then if it comes back check. So could we not um, essay it at this point? No, but if you would, you have the option of doing this, but the fee will be on you. And if it well, turns they, out, they were provided that. Oh, okay. That, that was an option that's made available to anyone that, that has, was made up, made has this available? type of, oh, yeah. Okay. And again, if, it, if it's outside of its, its tolerance, it seems to me we have this similar issue with the uh, the only phrase I can use is the so-called chicken coops because I don't know the name but uh, did was this not the same issue there there was a meter in the property company and how did that get resolved did they was the meter tested or yes you know? that that meter was pulled and tested and found to be in calibration it, the meter was out no, no, it wasn't. It was so we, so as the example Mr. Good's using and so then we build that back to mm -hmm. the, the condo association paid for it, right? Okay. Yeah, because somebody in one of those condos left their toilet run. Which is probably hundred and two meters for the guy that was in his tra trailer home. Yeah. So the other thing I'd point out to council too is that uh, of the trailer parks in town, we have two trailer parks that we have this kind of arrangement for. The other park, uh, trailer parks have simply a master meter and that's it. Yeah. And then the only other situation to be comparable to this is what we're doing with the water co-op, with the Shaftesbury Water Co-op. But I believe what we're doing for that one, even though we're doing, we're charging them off the master meter going out to the water co-op, but the data logs for the metering, I think, and correct me on this, Director Town is we're just sending that data to the water co-op and they're doing their own billing. Yeah. So, are you going to put a motion on the table? No, I, I do have a question. I am. I mean, I'm a little confused about the consumption numbers, although I'm hearing you read, you know, estimate versus actual. Um, so, I I am a little confused how the consumption could have gone from 391 cubes to 128 cubes with no change like that's that's a huge difference in consumption i don't understand how that could have corrected itself self-corrected like I, i'm just not sure where the where that water would have gone oh uh, the only thing i i could point to is there was a water break within the trailer park and it, it was repaired either by a resident or by bbb but it, but if EBV can't explain it, it's probably more likely the resident repaired it and didn't admit to anything. So, uh, I'm going to put a motion on the floor for yeah. option one, which is to uh, not provide water bill relief and renegotiate the existing agreement with Cool Springs Trailer 
to provide master meter billing only, which would bring it in line with the other trailer parks in town. Well, maybe we should just make up two motions then, because I don't, I think because that master agreement, they could say, no, we don't want to change the master agreement. So let's, let's cut it in half and make the first one uh, no, no relief on water billing. Sure. And then you can make the second one to for a, if you want a, a change in the master agreement. Okay, all all in favor of uh, no uh, no water billing. Well, yeah, no water refund basically. No all in favor. In favor. And uh, the next one was. Well, I was just following option one. Okay. I don't know how many options you guys wanted to break it all down into, but I think you stopped at three, which is. Understandable. But you, so you want to. So the second part you of want option, to change in the master. Agreement? Second part of option one is the option to change the master, to change the renegotiate the agreement to provide the master reading only. Which, uh, but but now that's. I'm a happy to actually in the end go status what, quo on it. Yeah, why don't you guys just? Why, why do we need to make a motion on that? You you can, you can renegotiate a master agreement, right? Because if we tell you to go do something, we expect you to get it done, and you might not get it done. So. <laughs> <laughs> and and okay. council's aware of the issue, so we, we got channel direction. We're yeah. Okay. I don't think we're not going to make the record, and uh, Ms. Ms. McCory has fallen asleep. Okay. Uh, Echo gas franchise fees. So the next two reports are for um, gas and electric franchise fees, and if council is interested in in changing or amending these for, for 2019, um, there's no attachments <coughs> with either of them. We had the one, but we somehow misplaced that during the week, and we couldn't find the previous one. But all the information is here, um, and the correspondence that ACO would have sent us just talked about our um, the, the process and ultimate reporting and that kind of stuff if we do go through with it. Um, but in the end, we do have the right, if we so choose, to attach a rider um, on gas and, and uh, electric um, utility billing. And again, this is um, the potential revenue source for the town. So focusing on, on gas first. Um, the information shown there within the report, our current franchise fee is 29%. It was last increased in, in 2015 from 24.7%. Um, the maximum amount is 35% um, if council wishes to, to increase uh, up to that amount. Um, so we also gathered some uh, comparable data for council to consider. The first chart is uh, similar size towns, plus or minus 20% uh, of us. Um, I don't know why it says within 200 kilometers or some of those definitely are not. Um, and within those, the, the average is 28.51%. Uh, so we're just slightly above that when you look at our 
our comparables. The other one, the second chart is um, for those municipalities that are, are fairly <coughs> close to us, um, towns and larger sized villages. And of those, we're around 29% towards the higher end, as the average is about 24.48. If council wishes to consider this as an option, um, and this could become part of our budget discussions if you so choose, um, each 1% increase in gas franchise fees is an additional $21,300 approximately. or based on our current uh, tax revenue needs about two tenths of a percent of, of tax revenues. Um, so staff are looking for direction. Um, we didn't have a recommendation on whether the amount should be maintained or increased um, for soliciting councils interested in amending or, or maintaining these rates. So, Mr. Needham, you're the uh, franchise fee resident expert. I should have been silent at those other meetings. Uh, it just comes back to haunt me. Yes, I was, and I was just, uh, I guess when I asked a question, it was certainly the comparison that was, was what was of interest. And to me, uh, I see myself voting for a modest tax increase. So here's an opportunity for me to uh, to save face, and I'm going to suggest your worship that we just keep the same uh, the same rate, uh, 29%, uh, that we hold the line on the franchise fee for 2019. So, if you're looking for a motion, my motion is that the natural gas franchise fee remain the same for the 2019 period. Well, I, I'm not sure if this is a motion type of discussion. You're just looking for direction on the in the budget process, which would be. Yeah, uh, we're not that keen on putting in a at least gas franchise fee increase. Take that back into your budget planning and then come back with the budget, right? Like why would we make a motion right now? Um, until so we, unless we're actually gonna do it. Unless you're actually pretty sure. If, if you're not certain as a group, it is something that could be considered within our budget deliberations. Um, we should get a, an answer to APCO Fairly, oh, okay. fairly quickly, right. um, but I at this point waiting two weeks will not necessarily imperil anything. Well, I'm I'm thinking most people would probably concur with, given that we're uh, 29 percent, the average is 20 point 20 basically 24 and a half. Uh, you might want to sit tight. Are there people? So, Mr. Mayor, I have a question. Okay. Um, I'm looking at budget implications and the paragraph where it talks about this would generally affect um, renters more than um, landlords, I guess. So I guess landlords pay property taxes and renters don't necessarily. So I think that is maybe something that we should keep in mind too with respect to this because the property taxes are going up and the landlords are paying that maybe the renters get it passed on to them, but maybe they don't. So I'm just making that comment. Okay, so it wasn't a question. No, well, I guess not. (laughs) (laughs) My preference would be to keep them the same and put the 
difference in whatever finances we need on regular property taxes for the simplicity of accounting and going into negotiations with our neighbors and all these other kind of things we're looking at doing keeping that all in the same kind of ledger line okay so maybe a motion to can I, can I table just do it, it? Oh, or, well or, why don't we get everyone else's opinion on that or we just take a vote if we I, can, I can see them all nodding their head in agreement when you're talking well, listen, so. I think my motion was said. Your motion was keep you, you said you were willing to put a motion. You never actually put a motion. Oh, that, 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 let me rephrase that. Your worship. My, my motion for council's consideration is that uh, we keep the ATCO gas franchise fee uh, at 29% for the year 2019. Okay. All in favor? Against? Uh, what? Did, where were you on that? You could be the designing vote, Deputy Mayor. I said against. Oh, okay. Yeah, you, you didn't quite make. It's four three, so that motion was passed. That's the closest one we've had in a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's even closer than that taxi pilot. <laughs> <laughs> that was six. That was six to one. Somebody. Somebody should have got a recorded motion on this. <laughs> well, I'm trying to understand what the alternative is. Like, what would you do? Reduce the bloody rate? That's an option. Yeah. Every you're, option you're, is on the table. According to a procedural hey, bylaw, the board got your headline. Council divided. Vote <laughs> the We can't talk about it. That's now. right. For another year. Okay. Echo electric franchise fee. Oh yeah, I just want to make one comment. So. Given your love of Excel, how come you didn't include a box and whisker plot along with the, uh, the table? He was, he was ill. He came in ill and fevered that day. <laughs> it's, it's just a simple insert command these days. No, I, it's, it is. It's very straightforward. And uh, we will strive to really uh, emphasize some of the wonderful charting features that we can provide council in their decision-making. That yeah, picture is worth a thousand words. Keep it'll, that it'll in be mind. much clearer, I'm sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Adco Electric franchise fee. Councilor Good. I'll go out on a limb and uh, make a motion to not increase the electric franchise fee. Okay, that'll that that will uh, focus discussion. Any dis any questions in, on on the uh, on this particular item? I would have the same comment as for the gas. Okay. Um, okay, and so, but the average is 6.15 and we're at 7.5, or we're at eight, I guess. We're at eight now. Okay, so there's a motion on the table. No, nobody wants to make any more comments. Does anyone want to make this a recorded vote? Okay, seeing that it isn't, I'm going to call for a vote on this. All in favor of not increasing the franchise fee? Not uh, increasing. Uh, was that was that your motion? That, yes. Yes. Okay. To keep it the same. Keep it the same. Uh, so, what's your vote on that? Against. Against. I'm against. Orange against. But you guys were all for it. Right? All four of you were for it. Okay. Very good. Why didn't you switch to the winning side? You knew you were going to lose. You just... <laughs>
I, I'm not a sheep like the rest of you guys. Well, I don't understand what you do with it. <laughs> I'm only here for the deciding vote. So, Mr. Uh, if I could just take about 15 seconds, I'd like to introduce our, our newest uh, employee, V. Dang, sitting in the back there. If you want to just give a little wave to council, she is our Grantson Special Coordinator, uh, Special Projects Coordinator. So she started her first day today and she said, hey, I want to see what the council does. <laughs> this will be the last time she's coming back to council. <laughs> and, and did you tell her that the, that the, uh, the benchmark for her job is she has to get get a six million dollars. Yeah, worth of yeah, actually, that's an increase. But that's all right. <laughs> it used to be two. It used to be two. That's the benchmark. There we go. We're hurting. We're hurting. That's the key key performance criteria for that job. Okay. I told her today, your worship, we need lots of money and keep it coming. Okay. <laughs> Okay, that's good enough. Or we got to come back to this franchise fee thing. <laughs> you saw how that was tense. <laughs> and, and illogical. But apparently, knowing the results of the Grey Cup, Mr. Tarpey would lace them up for Ottawa for some reason again and, and join the losing team. <laughs> hey, don't forget, they won two years ago. And they weren't supposed to. Okay, so what's the uh, next item on the agenda? Yeah, what, uh, proposed 2019 operating capital budgets. Okay. Okay, so, so um, actually based on the, the work that we did last meeting, this will not take very long and I, I intentionally kept it a little bit more abbreviated since this is a regular council meeting and I'm never sure just how long some of the other discussions will go. Um, so we did talk about at the last budget meeting we went through the base budget items changes had a comprehensive talk about um, where the changes were both on the general fund and the water uh, rates um, so my ultimate goal for the this session is to um, tentatively approve uh, the water rates and then then water costs and we'll We'll use that as concurrence for uh, where the water rates will be and then once the budget is formally approved in January staff will use that information to prepare the uh, utility rate bylaw changes and and other actions just as a, a background really quick this is something I've shown council um, for a couple of years um, we have our live virtual tax bill scenario where we do see where we are at this exact point in time based on the budgets that's been presented and as changes are made we will see what those impacts are in real time so right now we're showing um, the on a house at three hundred and twenty five thousand dollars of assessment the year-to-year -year tax change um, based on a tax revenue requirement need of 2.7 percent is about $76 uh, that number will change as we um, if council adds services and because I know the mayor likes to break this down on a amount per month and then 
show general consumer type items, we know that that type of change means that we residents of, of the town would have to have 1.2 fewer Big Macs per month or 4.7 fewer liters of gas. Um, but what that is meant to show that, you know, the, the impact of this is pretty negligible in terms of the service that you get for the tax taxes that are paid, especially when you look at other levels of government where um, provincially and federally a significantly smaller direct impact on the population compared to um, the level of service that we provide provide our residents and again residents of the region um, so from a communication perspective um, this is where I, I offer up to anyone in the public or if anyone would like to come up and um, present any questions offer any opinions or any other items relating to the budget. This is our opportunity to do so. I'm going to assume that the um, people behind me are not interested in this. say so. <laughs> so you have the draft budget out there on the, on the internet, right? That's correct. It's on our website. It's been- Front, front page of the website. Yep. And, so, and is there a uh, is there a comment box that people can put comments in? There is. There's a, a form that you could fill out. So it's not it's not click here for an email. It's actually you know just enter your question in this box and hit the submit button, and it'll it'll make it for a communication uh, coordinator, and then that would be forwarded off to council. And um, how long has that been up already? That's been up since the budget has been presented two weeks ago. And any any feedback whatsoever we've, we've had zero feedback either through that or through any other method so um, no phone calls no messages no emails it's um, kind of depressing i mean like it's like what do we got to do to get notes around here I, if i may so i did have a, a hockey parent discussion at the nampa arena and uh, the town budget came up and the famous columbarian discussion i hope i pronounced that right so uh, this particular individual tells me that she phoned the town office. Maybe she phoned Elaine Manzer, I'm not sure, but she tells me that she phoned and recorded her request. Uh, but irrespective, uh, that's not in the capital plan, but I'm just curious, does, does anybody know? Um, I guess my question was, what, what, where, where did we end up with that particular project. Um, I know we were trying to get some interest with uh, Chapel of Memories. I'm just curious, has there been any movement on that or or not? So as for the actual budget, I could tell council that it's not being presented as a 2019 project. Um, we are showing it on our five-year plan. I can't remember which year, but again, any project- I think it was year, two years from now. Yeah, and again, you know, the years two to five are a projection based on... Well, the, the reason I said that is that you made the comment that nobody phoned or filled in a box, so this individual told me she phoned twice. So whether she did or not, I have no idea. But I'm just curious where those comments ended up. As, you know, I, I don't... Yeah. I, I don't know who she phoned. I don't know who she talked to. Did she phone after the budget or...? Well, it, that's what I was told. But. Yeah. 
Okay, that's fine. If you say nobody's phone, nobody's phone. But uh, so, from from an administrative perspective, no one has contacted us as far as I'm aware. And 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 certainly the nice thing about writing in a comment in the comment box is it's it's more or less permanent. Uh, like it's in black and white, and uh, and our communications coordinator would would uh, would probably forward that on if not directly to counselors at least to staff and then and then you, you guys are moving on so um, yeah if you if you phone the front desk and say where's my columbarium well i'm not sure whether the front staff would say oh that should be connected to the budget so yeah i, I agree that's a bit of a tougher one uh, depending on what the question posed was and other factors. So. And I, I'm sure that all of us here have quite a few years yet to go, so it's not top of mind issue. <laughs> <laughs> One can wish. Okay. So there has been a couple changes in a few information items since the budget was presented. And again, since the budget um, book has been, the proposed budget has been presented, uh, we leave the information in the book intact, but we do capture changes on the spreadsheet. Oh, okay. So the first thing that I'll, I'll come to, and I mentioned to council at the last meeting, is we have been able to negotiate favorable um, utility rates for the upcoming five years okay. based on what we budgeted for. So there's, I'm just going to scroll down to the bottom here. Is that because they're they're thinking the price of natural gas is going to drop even further? Yeah. So we we have been out of contract, so we've been paying a variable rate. Oh yeah. For the last, um, well, since I've been here. Yeah. Um, and we're very comfortable to to do that. Uh, rates went up in the summer, um, but they have been dropping since. Um, and then over the last three weeks, uh, the price of oil has gone down almost every single day. So. Administratively, we made the decision that it was probably fortuitous time to lock in prices. We have very competitive prices on both gas and electricity for the next five years. So we were able to do that. Um, in this year, on the general rate side, we're able to say that we're gonna have savings on both gas and electricity of about 11,400 from budget. So these aren't actual to actuals. Um, actual to actuals, it's actually a little bit better, but budget to budget. Um, so I'm just gonna, before I do anything here, I'll just use my cursor and show council. Up at the top here are the changes to the virtual tax bill or tax amount and then the percentage. I'm showing this as a reduction, so negatives in this case, and I don't wanna get into the negative positive discussion again if we don't have to. But in this case, negatives are good if they go down. Um, so if I put a Y here, is that something that's approved? You'll notice that the amount on our virtual tax bill has gone down to $73 instead of 76. And the revenues we would have to bring in um, a reduction of 11,400, which is about 1% of our, or one tenth of 1% of, of our overall tax revenue uh, needs. Um, the other item that I could identify is we recently um, prepared and received um, a request for proposal for janitorial services for town facilities. 
the amounts that we have received to provide the services are less than what we have budgeted for. So um, janitorial services and again town hall um, are $6,000 less than budgeted. So again, if I put a Y there, that reduced again our virtual tax bill to $71. Um, and I think that went down from 2.6 to 2.5%. Yep. So since those items are, are happening, I'm going to leave those as, as a yes amount. Um, the other thing is if you look at the water and wastewater uh, fund, uh, there's also similar savings um, and actually greater savings than, than all the general funds. So savings in the budget and utility costs are a reduction of 16100 um, actually, before I enter this, um, I'll just come back. And we, we talked about this last meeting where when we went through the budget for the water and sewer fund, um, there are increases to the fund. And based on those expenditure increases, revenue changes, um, staff are proposing a, an increase of 42 cents on existing rates, which would increase them from $4.98 to $5.40. By capturing the savings of $16,100, you'll notice that goes from 42 cents down to 40 cents, um, and the rate would increase from 490 to $5.38. And there's a couple things we could do here if council so chooses. Um, if they want to maintain a 40 cent increase, that's fine. That's something we can manage for the upcoming year because we do have these savings. Again, I'll just re-emphasize to council that the water and sewer fund is self-funded and generally balanced this year. Um, but we do need to work on getting capacity into that fund to pay for future capital costs. <coughs> so if council wishes to transfer the same amount to a reserve, which could be brought in for future years, whether it's debt payment, rate stabilization, or other items, um, that would be shown as an additional expense. It offsets our savings um, and brings back our utility uh, water wastewater rate to an increase of 42 cents back up to the 540. So we're going to circle back to this one in a second. So I am going to zero this out because it's not something that we have agreed on as a group. Um, but the utility cost savings is something that is, is tangible, is happening. Um, so, like we did last time, I'll open up to, um, if there's any counselors that have any questions or input that they receive that they would like to share or comments, this is your, your opportunity to do so. Yeah, so on the utility bill, does, would that include the, the carbon levy? So what if the carbon levy changes to from what it is now, I think $30 per ton of carbon to $50 per ton of carbon. I can how, is, how is that, how is that handled in the, uh, in we the built utility? built that into the budget. Um, so we're, we're expecting- But is that built into the utility agreement? Yeah. <laughs> it is, yep. So even with that increase, we're okay. getting favorable rates um, than what we budgeted for. And again, on the variable rate, we did very well for the first seven months of the year. Um, 
and then it started to spike through the late summer and fall. Um, has gone down, but of course, you know, our utility rates tend to go down slower than they, they rise, but that, that has been built in. Um, so so that's the, actually my question. So you, you come here and you, you ask us for our input on franchise fees, but you didn't bring the agreement for our ratification on the utilities, on the utilities agreement, so. I think it's like my debit card. Like if someone takes it to put a refund on it, I don't think they should need to enter my PIN. <laughs> but if they want to spend money on it, they should need to know my PIN. So What's your PIN? find us all the money you can. But if you want to spend it, we'll talk. Actually, I think uh, I think the utility rates will go down further. Actually, but anyhow, but it is kind of so. Where so where's the uh, so when when do you bring up if you bring up uh, franchise fee increases or decreases? Should you not bring uh, the agreement on utility rates? For ratification by council. But you've uh, you've signed the agreement. But don't you need the co-sign of the of the uh, chief elected officer? I can't believe how much it is. I'm not sure I'll have to take a look at it. When you have the budget, the rate is in the budget. No, they've already signed the agreement, the utility agreement. So, so what you're talking about is, it's if there's a difference, your, your worship, of more, I, I'm entitled to a certain amount for, for more, and I'm only allowed to go for up to a maximum five years, I believe. So um, with this case, because it's a decrease, it, it actually is in the favorable side, so I'm, I'm allowed to do that. I don't think so. Okay. Don't check that by law. Well, well, you could take that same yeah. same argument to the franchise fees. So you could unilaterally agree to, and uh, you could unilaterally put through a franchise fee. But, but the difference with the franchise fees that's being passed on to the residents, and so hence it is a tax that the council is making the decision. Whereas this well, is an expense. If I have to pay property. for natural gas, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not paying it all by myself. These we're not going to share it among seven people. <laughs> the resident still has to pay for the natural gas they used by the wastewater treatment plant. Or uh, yeah, you guys need to come up with a philosophy on how you're going to uh, on these financial agreements. Okay, put it in policy. Okay, uh, anybody else? Are we back to agreeing to the same increase of the water thing? Did we decide on that or did we? So, so what I'm hoping to get tonight is yes, to, to agree on an increase um, that we'll use to move forward to the final resolution of the budget budget approval and then the utility rate bylaws. So can I put out that we should stick to the increase we discussed earlier and transfer to reserves for future projects? Yep. 
Well, you, there's no point in putting it in a motion because you, you said uh, when you started a tentative agreement on what the increase was, and then you'll actually bring it out in the utility rate bylaw. So there's no point in it. On yeah, but this will be the figure that shows up in the bylaw. Okay, but but then we have to pass the bylaw, so the number will show up in the bylaw. So. Yeah. yeah so I, I guess the question at this point, Councillor, is the sixteen thousand one hundred dollars savings do this council want that to be transferred over to a reserve? Or to leave it and only have a forty cent increase instead of forty two cents. Reserves. Yeah. Okay. Well, what? So okay, go ahead. Um, thank you, Risha. Uh, I don't uh, disagree with what Councillor Scamfong is saying. The my question is this, Ray. When we look at our water and wastewater rates, we realize that we are, even though the process itself is somewhat cost recovery um no the water process is cost recovery not the wastewater is that or the is it the the whole process is the whole fund is on a cost recovery basis in any one year in any one year <coughs> yes. right so the but we've also been in agreement or i'm understanding that our rates are uh they're they're still low in comparison to, well, what is the difference that we need the money for just so that we can continue to have that reserve in order to, you know, because we we put out debt to uh, improve our water treatment. Is that sort of the, the goal there? The challenge that we're gonna see in the near future, um, I don't wanna speak to the operating costs. I don't personally foresee significant operating costs in the near future other than um, we probably do need to improve the amounts that we pay for our general repairs and maintenance but in terms of other staffing costs and whatnot i'm not anticipating increases or significant increases um, but there are two or three significant projects capital projects that are coming up that um, we're still working on trying to achieve some external funding and again reservoir 365 is an example um, you know, sewer line, water line replacements because our, our infrastructure is getting to the age where it is failing more often. We've seen it water line breaks over the last couple, or last 12 months, for sure. Um, so the capital needs and capital uh, work that'll be required on the water sewer side um, will be fairly significant, you know, not just over the next five years, but probably in, in perpetuity until we get to a point where we're, we're caught up. We're not at the point now where we are replacing fast enough to um, alleviate some of those operating costs. So we're being a little bit reactionary on the operating and maintenance side. What to do that? You know, and again, just as a number, you know, the rate would probably have to go up twenty or thirty percent, possibly even higher, and then be maintained at that point in per perpetuity which after a five or 10 year um, workload or work cycle, we would be at the point where we could do probably a better job of phase replacements and planned projects to do that. Uh, those are 
those are round numbers. They're a little anecdotal, but philosophically, that's a challenging challenge that we're facing on the, the water and sewer rate. There's, there's limited, um, and again, it really depends on external funding for some of our capital projects. If we're not able to achieve that, and again, with you know the, the provincial government, they're in a significant deficit position. It's unknown what they'll be able to do. Um, you know, they, they do provide funding. There are grants. Um, it's probably not sufficient, again, when you look at the entire province. Um, and then with the feds and their unknown programs going forward, um, you know, we just may be in a position where we're going to have to spend a little bit higher of a percentage on the projects in terms of our funding versus external funding. Um, and that's going to be a challenge for us as we go forward. So what does the, where does the Corvus report say we're supposed to be at? The Corvus report, I believe at this point, had us up in a six, high $6, low $7 range. If the... Um, and we're at, we're, you're proposing we go to $5.38? That's correct. So, so that's... So that difference is, uh, which is about 60 cents, is what well, we're short. Yeah. That high six dollars would be a dollar. Six dollars, not five. It's like dollar sixty. Yeah. 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 And again, that, that was modeled based on, you know, a true life cycle costing replacement uh, funding and financing model. Which is where we want to be. Ultimately, yes. And again, it's do we get there in one big jump or little jumps or, or what methodology are, are we doing to do that? Well, we're doing pretty significant if jumps. You don't, if you don't take this jump, you're going to have to do a bigger jump somewhere along the line. Yep. I, I agree. Um, but we've been doing significant jumps of 7, 8, 9, 10% over the last three years. Hammer <laughs> the drum again. If we took the same um, philosophical position that we're looking at taking, and I'm agreeing with you, Tom, on wa on the water of taking the jumps as, as we need them in order to have cost recovery. <clears throat> if we took the same philosophical position to our property tax rates in terms of our infrastructure, I mean, to a degree, we're picking and choosing where we're going to be philosophically purer if we go with the Corvus report. Am I correct? Yes. Thank you. The philosophy doesn't change between the two funds. It's just the appetite for destruction, more or less. I, I thought we agreed on 42 cents. Let's move on. Thank okay. You. How many times do we have to talk about this? Um, well, there's probably a couple more times. I tried really hard to get consensus. Well, I, 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 the last I, I 10 like, minutes went by. <laughs> just, well, we're just so we're clear on that. You know what, and I appreciate the, that statement. I think it's just really important for us to, certainly on our podcast, be really clear about why we think the 42 cents has value versus the 40. Gets us two cents. A penny has so much value, the Canadian government doesn't even print them anymore. <laughs> 42 cents. Let's move on. <laughs> but the credit card, credit card company, uh, 
it's, it's, called, it's called a rounding factor. So maybe you should make it 43, and then you can round it up to 45. For the nearest nickel, yeah. yeah. So but then you'll scare the living daylights out of uh, your administration because it'll be an odd number. So. Yeah, Mr. Schramm really appreciates the even number uh, that we're trying to achieve here. So. He's not here. Yeah, I mean, if, if you want to cause a little bit of angst, we could round that off. Um, so a motion to accept uh, the 2019 operating, uh, proposed 2019 operating capital budgets for information. I so move. All in favor? So just as a heads up to council and for the people who are listening, um, it's my hope we'll do this over the next two meetings. Uh, there'll be discussions about the capital budget and again, tentative approval of that budget at the next meeting and then the one after that, which I believe is December 10th, but that's double check. Um, we'll get to the service level deliberation item and look at what services uh, or new initiatives council wants to consider for the upcoming year. Uh, both of those decision packages will ultimately impact where the tax uh, revenue needs are for the landfill. And that, that, was, that was for Mr. Nito's benefit, right? Yes, mostly. Okay. Uh, reports. Letter dated November 7th from Municipal Affairs regarding assessment audit. Is, who wants to speak to that one, Mr. Parker? That would be Mr. Cowan. Actually, I, I will. And I actually forgot this was on here. This is for Council's information. And I will bring a briefing note back to Council to discuss what the impacts of this this are. There's one item, um, this was received by the previous council um, back in 2016, I think. So I don't think this council has seen uh, the actual assessment audit. The province came in in 2016 and they looked at our, our process for doing assessments and determining values. It involved both the town and our assessor. There were 10 recommendations. One was a legislated one and the other nine were best practice type recommendations um, and this is their follow-up to that report of which we have achieved uh, their satisfaction of the legislative uh, requirement and their satisfaction to eight of the nine of the best practice type items so there will be a report coming forward to council to uh, just kind of outline and discuss we'll look at the one item that wasn't achieved and I'll discuss with the assessor what we're going to do um, from the best practice perspective, if it, um, what the rationale is there, what they're able to achieve, and um, how to ensure that we um, do proper, you know, and, and good assessments for the residents uh, as we go forward. Okay. Motion to accept uh, the, the assessment audit report for information. All in favor. Oh, somebody needs to make that word. Mr. Needham, all in favor? In favor. That takes us to the, there's three information items here. November 15, 2018 letter from Northern Sunrise County, County uh, which is a, which is regarding support in principle for the CP TED workshop. Uh, Ms. Uh, I will turn to Mr. Ford. Do you want to highlight anything there? underscore anything there, Mr. We just received, the administration received a letter from uh, 
Northern Sunrise County that they are supporting the SEPTED uh, uh, program in principle um, coming forward. Will that help you get faster fingerprints? Hope so. <laughs> okay. Uh, Rhapsody Awards article from the RAP newslet quarterly newspaper uh, newsletter. Uh, Ms. Manzer, do you want to highlight anything there, or Ms. Um, basically, just information, and um, these awards are the ones that are being celebrated on December fourth. Oh yeah, this is the one where Mr. Needham will be giving a speech. Correct. Right, a short speech. Yes. <laughs> Short is in the ear of the beholder, Ms. Manzer. The word inspiring, stellar, motivational. There'll be a standout. Uh, summary of Doug Griffith's seminar. Is there anything anyone wants to underscore there? I submitted it just because four of council attended and. Uh, points could apply to any organization as they go through a cyclical ups and downs. Uh, you, you do know that all 13 chapters of his, he speaks to all 13 chapters of his book on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah, might as well go there too. <laughs> there was a workshop portion for the second half of the day. Oh, yeah. So. Well, this is where people get to go in breakout groups and hug each other and... I didn't... Re I received zero hugs oh, that okay. day. Okay. Surprised the surrounding counties didn't uh, embrace you fully, Mr. Skinner. Um One of the suggestions while we were brainstorming possible solutions, I said, was a harmonized tax rate across the region. My table didn't buy it, so we may as well go on. Okay. <laughs> So, uh, so then you can make a motion to accept uh, items 10.1 through 10.3 for information. All in favor of Mr. Scanlon's motion. In favor. Any notices of motion, Mr. Parker? There are none, Your Worship. Uh, any comments from the public? Okay, uh, key communication items. I see our communications coordinator isn't here today. So we will, we will go to the print media and ask if there's any, uh, any resources you need. Good point, but I think they're going ahead with the uh, they're, they're going ahead with the project to bring uh, a family of refugees over from uh, from the north coast of Africa. It sounds like indeed they are, and uh, thanks to the massive readership that I get, there was a story last week's newspaper. I read last year last week's newspaper. I didn't see this was on. Oh yeah, this one was this was a whole page. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, past that though, there's got to be something here. I didn't drive here for nothing, damn it. So, uh. <laughs> 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 um, well, you could always 
have a page of write-up on Light Up the Park, and Mr. Scanlon can give you his, uh, his remarks that he made. Uh, mm. I've got written down, so yeah, I'll, I'll give you a good approximation of what I said. Uh, okay. Boy, but what about all the debate that we had? Look at, what about the taxi bylaw? We spent yeah, like a whole half yeah, an hour that, on that is actually simply, so I would like to <laughs> 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 I, I would like to speak with somebody about that actually, because that, that is uh, Well, you, you could talk to the to the uh, to the individual who felt that there should be a recorded vote on. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Is that our first recorded vote? No, no. No. Second. I don't know. Oh, okay. No. Okay. Not counting the other one that you asked. <laughs> <laughs> I consider the other that, one. That's well. the same okay. thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was so yeah, or I can talk with Orrin about that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, Orrin? Okay. <laughs> Remember, and then I will you, support council's decision. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can talk about how how we're not going to raise franchise fees. A lot of people probably don't know what franchise fees are because until a year ago, neither did I. Mm. But we're not going to raise them. Yeah. And we're not going to raise them. Okay. Some people would just consider them another <laughs> tax. But some may not. Well, they. Reason why franchise fees work? One of the reasons why they, they, yes, they are a tax. But there's lots of properties in this community that are tax exempt. But everybody pays a gas bill and utility bill. So this is a way to collect a portion of, of tax dollars from those entities. Okay, so you can be a spokesperson. He will definitely be the spokesperson. These are these are. Uh, He's the council resident expert on franchise fees. There you go. I'll put that behind your name. Not me either. Now, now you want to know, you want the list of who you get taxes. Yeah. 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 Uh, you can talk about uh, the proposed budget, and uh, so you you're you're anticipating, Mr. Town, that the budget in, that the the tax increase for the average home will only work out to about the average property will be about seventy five dollars a month, right? Until we discuss the service level items, will change that that amount. Okay. So there's a, approximately $100,000 worth of service level adjustments or initiatives for council to consider. Um, so if they're all approved, and again, I don't want to presume, it would go from about 2.5 to 3.5% so increase. How many Big Macs? That's another one uh, Big Mac. So if it's, yeah, it's another, so if it's 76, it'd be like $107, $110, give or take. Um, so yeah, about two Big Macs a month. Well, that'd be a good way to put it, and that's what I meant by waste, though, but it's still in the proposed, proposed yeah. stage there. Nothing's definitive, so. Good point. Interesting, though. Okay. So, oh, we're uh, still Orin looking. and Colin, you're available tomorrow on the next day? Pardon me? 
board and, and yep. yeah. And if you need the opposing side on the taxi by law, you can talk to me. All right. Let's make this interesting. Yeah. I'm act, to be honest, I'm actually not available after work <laughs> until next week. So I will defer you over to Tom. Yeah, I, I'm booked up all night this for the rest of the week. Well, it's only 7 o'clock, so you can sit down with Ms. McQuarrie for the next hour. <laughs> Um, um, yeah, I don't have anything else for you. Okay, no, that's a good thing, so. Yeah, uh, right now. Okay. Very good. Good. And, uh, well, we have in-camera items. Can we get a couple? Okay. Um, so we'll take a break here. And, uh, Arm can chat with Joanne. So, uh. 10-15 minutes break. <laughs>